do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V to G possible? What is V to G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Mobility Company Greenway. So it's election season in Europe now. Maybe you've seen some of the debates from the leading candidates. Maybe you've seen posters around your neighborhood, heard ads or something. Or maybe you haven't heard anything about it, but it is still election debate. The European parliamentary elections are coming up next week. So that is a vote for the new representatives for the European Parliament, which will then also choose the new commission, president, and the cabinet. All of this has made me think about the role the European Union has in the development of electric mobility and what this election could mean for European Union policy on clean fuels, on electric vehicles, infrastructure deployment, and the whole decarbonization agenda. Europe's played a critical role in development so far, especially in this region. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens after the next elections. I'll be joined by two experts on this topic to figure out what this election can mean. And while Greta Thunberg may be the most famous of them all, we've been spending a lot of time lately hearing from young people what they think. We've met them at climate strikes or debate tournaments here in Slovakia. And so we're going to share with you what some young Slovaks are thinking about the parliamentary elections as well. So buckle up, get into echo mode, and enjoy the ride. The National Championship High School Debate Tournament in Slovakia recently was on the topic of banning combustion engine vehicles. Sort of mind-blowing that that could happen in the largest car-producing company per capita in Europe, but still amazing development and really shows how high this issue is coming on the agenda. So my colleague Oksana and I wanted to know what these kids learned in their research and what their opinions they had formed. We're going to cover all of that in a future episode, but they had some things to say about the European elections, too. Your names? Uh, Richard Dribar. David Stanek. David? David. No, David Stanek. <laughs> Are you aware of the upcoming elections into the European Parliament? Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> And are you going to vote? Yep. I will try to Google like the list of candidates. I haven't been able to so far. I'll just sit down one day, just Google the, what they are planning to do, what are their ideologies, and like choose the one that I'm most likely to support. So what do you expect from Slovakia's EPs uh, to represent in the parliament? They should be pro-European, which is something that is not like necessarily true in like the EPNPs. So they won't hurt the discourse that's going on in like the European Parliament and the way that they will focus on like the immigration or, or human rights, the feminism and things like that. Uh, if I would go to vote, uh, I would definitely prefer some party with clear criteria, such as definitely environment, and that is like really important nowadays, just representation of people, equal policies that would help maybe some less developed countries in Europe to catch up with like West. And for me, the most important is even in the context of uh, Slovakian corruption scandals uh, that are coming through and we actually are not seeing enough accountability uh, somebody that would offer some new ideas on control of euro funds distributed within each country and there you have it they also have a range of opinions but i'm glad they're aware and paying attention and hope that there's a lot more out there like them who are planning on voting hopefully this episode can help them with some of their elections related research and thinking about this important topic 
Now, our last episode was a special one. It was from a conference in Brussels organized by electric vehicle services company Greenway, which I work for. We gathered experts together to discuss the growth of electric mobility in the Central and Eastern European region. And the reason why it was in Brussels is because the EU plays an outsized role in promoting electric mobility here in Europe. I mean, frankly speaking, were it not for laws and directives coming from Brussels, some countries would not even have decarbonization on their agendas. They wouldn't have clean air or clean fuels targets, and they'd be fine relying on combustion engine vehicles and fossil fuels. But Brussels has been instrumental in changing all of this. From their directives and targets, requiring national action plans to localize these goals, all the way to providing direct financial incentives to supporting clean fuels infrastructure, such as EV charging stations. Soon there's going to be a new parliament and a new commission. So it's a good time to ask, what could this election mean for the policies that we in the electric vehicle charging ecosystem care about and that influence our work? Our guests are going to be calling in, so this may not be the best audio quality ever, but please bear with us because what they have to say is certainly worth it. So I have on the line now, both calling in from Brussels, Julia Poliskanova, Manager of Clean Vehicles and E-Mobility at the NGO Transport and Environment, and Petar Georgiev, Policy Advisor for Climate and E-Mobility at Euroelectric the association representing the European electricity sector. Hi, Julia. Hi, Peter. Hi. Greetings from Brussels. Hi. How are things in Brussels these days? I mean, with campaigns and elections coming up, is it a ghost town or what's going on? Well, I think things are certainly quiet. feels like quiet, like before the storm. Politicians are away campaigning in their countries, of course. I'm sure a lot of things are going in, in Slovakia right now. The Commission and all the various stakeholders are all preparing their battleground for the next uh, Commission and the next work. Interestingly, and probably some of the listeners as well saw it, last night was the European Parliament leaders' debate, where a lot of subjects very much related to zero emission mobility and to climate were discussed. And really amazingly, one of the main hashtags and the main questions trending online from young people was climate. So Mm. this time politicians really can't get away without making real progress on that. That's great. You see it everywhere and hear it everywhere these days, which is wonderful. I mean, I hope it's not just in our bubble. So it's nice to see that it was, you know, such a large part of the leaders debate. Yeah, it's true. And indeed, those upcoming elections uh, do create a reason to think about climate and other big topics that impact our societies these days. Just out of, you know, my bubble, I can tell you that a lot of people are talking about this. And more and more, I hear it from people that have never heard about the topic of climate. And now they start integrating themselves into all that discussion. It's a topic of huge interest. Yeah, it's great to hear that it's breaking through. And hopefully it'll break through into actually how people, you know, influencing their votes and how they think about their, you know, participating in elections. Because it turns out that these elections have really significant consequences and effects for people and for countries and especially in these areas. So, you know, it's worth looking back at the last session of the European Parliament and the Commission to see how the clean mobility and the fuels agenda developed and evolved, because I really feel like it evolved quite a bit. It didn't seem like it was a large part of the agenda at the beginning, but by the end, it felt like it was one of the top issues on the agenda. Would you agree? Um, Yes, absolutely. I think from an environmental NGO point of view, we were really unimpressed when the Juncker Commission started, to say the least. It was all about better regulation, which was code word for no regulation or less Mm. regulation. Uh, The top climate job was given to someone who was a conservative from Spain with with links to the oil industry. Mm. But it's also fair to say that by the end of the term, 
Europe has managed to do some great stuff on climate, broke the Paris Agreement, really reformed some of the key climate rules here for all the polluting industries, and really bravely dealt with the dieselgate emission scandal, really put in place some proper emission standards, better tests, and seems like we do now have a lot of regulations that will really put us on the path to decarbonize by 2050. Yeah, the decarbonization of our economy by 2050. This is something that our sector, the electricity sector in Europe, is really striving towards. We've recently published uh, analysis on how we can reach it and what it would mean for the overall economy, and not just the power sector, but also the industry sector, the transport sector, and the building sector. So it is indeed a huge topic of discussion here in Brussels. And I would say it's also a very politically sensitive topic that it's it's on the big chessboard of trading chips between the political forces in Europe. And we see clear frontrunners and laggards. Yet Europe has to show unity in this moment and overcome this division with a strong industrial strategy fit for the next decades and fit for competition with other emerging superpowers around the world. But this would require strong leadership. So it's not just on the emission trading scheme or CO2 standards for vehicles, but also on the functioning of the energy markets, mm -hmm. which will all allow for decarbonization of the transport sector and making it more competitive. And this has to be done combining several policy tools. And we saw that uh, during the last legislation, we had a lot of bills passed on CO2 standards. And uh, oftentimes this was possible only by a margin of a couple of votes. So that shows how elections really matter in this case. And I think, Peter, you're really spot on about how politically sensitive the topic was. We were fighting tooth and nail, bringing all the statistics about jobs and growth and who will benefit and who won't. And I really hope that that discussion is over and we can really focus in the coming years on implementing the things because the data is there, evidence is there, it's good for us and it's great to have you representing the electricity sector, really understanding that this is the future, not just for the climate, but also for our industry. Yeah, I mean, I fear it's not over. We can't really take the pressure off at all, rather we need to keep pushing this message. You know, and if we relent, then the other forces are going to come in and really try to, let's say, influence the new parliament, the new commission, the new decision makers to take their foot off of the enforcement, for example. Yeah, unfortunately, you might be right. And we already see the resurgence of the diesel industry and the oil industry all fighting back. So I agree. I think it's more important than ever to really support the progressive politicians who are really pro-climate rather than the old stuff. And it doesn't necessarily break down along like traditional political lines. Rather, you know, it seems like every European political party has an agenda focused on climate, environment, and energy. Some maybe more focused on jobs and free market influences than others. But you know, a lot of it depends on which countries are people representing and what are the industries in their countries. I mean, we saw this certainly sure. during the CO2 uh, standards debate. Representatives from so Slovakia, Czech Republic, they were very against stronger regulation because they were concerned about the effects it would have on the local auto industries here. No, absolutely. But I think the fact of the matter is, and the question is, are we talking about today's jobs and very short-term growth? Or are we talking about the future? What jobs will young people have? What companies will the younger generation open? And long-term, the future for countries like Slovakia, Bulgaria, Romania, you name it, is not in diesel supply chain or fossil fuel production. These industries will not be needed. We can't export them. We don't want to use them. Mm -hmm. So the future jobs are in clean tech, 
Yes, transition is difficult. Yes, we have to put policies and measures to support the skills transition, the, the education, really support those that are being left behind. No, for sure. This is this is one of the main requirements in order to address those divisions, or should I say different starting points within Europe. And this is something that our sector is definitely taking into account. We understand that different parts of Europe require different initial approach. So, for example, in countries where you don't have the existing capabilities, and let's look at uh, Eastern Europe, you have a lot of countries that are part of the supply chain for the automotive sector. So all those vehicle parts, for example, this is an opportunity to change the dynamics and put mm -hmm. investment into that future technology. And there is a lot of workforce that can actually take up on that task. So it's only should be seen as a plus rather than a negative. So then this is a real moment. A lot of progress has been made and now we have an election upon us. So what are the ways in which the new parliament and the new commission can continue this progress or improve things or take it to the next level? Because obviously the urgency is great, as we know. No, absolutely. Maybe a little, a few words on the process. Um, yes, please. Elections themselves, it's incredibly important to understand that basically you are voting for who will represent you and defend your interests in the European Parliament in the next five years. European Parliament is responsible for a raft of regulations and, and policies, environment, energy, industry, research and, and so forth. And it's really proportional. So every vote counts. If five people out of 10 vote for a right-wing politician who protects, for example, the oil industry, 50% of the parliament will be voting for those interests. So it's really important. But what is also key to mention is that it's not only about the European Parliament. The leader of the main party in the Parliament will also form the new commission, which is European's government that really is in charge of policies. So you're also voting for who will be creating pretty much rules in the next five years. And what about how they create portfolios like the energy union, for example? I mean, that was something that we encountered a lot in our day-to-day -day work at Greenway with, you know, kind of e-mobility, and I imagine you all have as well. Can they reformulate that portfolio and that agenda or even reorient its work? Obviously, it depends a lot on the priorities of the president of the European Commission. I believe that there will be several new initiatives. There's a lot of talk, for example, in town about a heating and cooling package regarding buildings. So it comes a lot from really what is necessary to be addressed. I mean, uh, at the bottom of it, it's also, of course, a very political process of deciding what's sure. important. And for sure, the current climate protests, the millions of young people or of students who demonstrate each week around Europe to really say that climate is important will not go unnoticed. And I really hope that we will make climate and zero emission decarbonization really the priority because we've only just started. And to get that wider industry and societal buy-in, we have to continue. Now it's not time to stop. All technology is already there. Let's use it. Let's put clear priority to immobility as industrial and climate priority. Let's really start uh, rolling out cars, cars for consumers, not compliance vehicles for the tick, clean batteries, cars that are driven on renewables, cars that are shared. All of this is already out there. We just have to use it. We just have to do it. And we also, of course, have to stop doing things that are an obstacle to that. 
Fossil fuel subsidies is one. Still allowing dirty diesels in cities, in particular in Eastern Europe, is another. Yes, and if I may add, recently there was a deadline for countries to submit a draft uh, national energy and climate plan. And uh, we saw that most of those climate plans are quite uh, suboptimal. And the level of ambition, the level of detail of the policies and uh, the measures that they describe and the quality of the measures they describe seem to be very suboptimal. So what needs to happen is not just for uh, EU policies to strengthen, but that should translate into national legislation as well. This is an important uh, point, and I know that as we're talking for EU election, the attention goes to Brussels, but we should not forget that policy is being created also on national level. Um I think one thing to mention is that we really need to act now and we have to stop this useless mantra of technology neutrality. We do not have time and we have technology. Let's not spend another five to ten years seeing if it's feasible, researching if it's possible, which is actually what some of the candidates on the right side were talking about yesterday. We have an emergency on our hands and we have the technology and industry who can benefit. So let's put technology neutrality aside and really put electrification as the industrial and climate priority in the next commission so that all policies are aligned. Peter, I'm sure you must have something to add to that. Well, obviously I agree with this idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is also something that our sector is pushing for, obviously. Uh, We see the benefits of that. We see the fact that you have this debate about about technology neutrality. Fine. I think something must be interfering. (laughs) <laughs> then, we, then we start talking about technological neutrality and the technology starts to intervene. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, we lost Peter there for a second, but Peter's response to Julia was just that the question of technology should really come down to technological efficiency, and which is the most efficient technology. And with electricity and electrification, we've already seen how efficient it is relative to other technologies, especially when it comes to vehicle transportation. So it's a direction we should keep going and deepen and not get lost in endless debates about, you know, which is the most technological neutral because maybe some politician has a connection to that industry or that industry. Rather, you know, now adding for myself, I agree with Julia. It is urgent. I mean, the time is now. You know, the International Governmental Panel on Climate Change said we have 12 years. So we need to really move forward with proven directions. And we see electric vehicles being very effective. And the broader electrification is going to be very successful when it comes to the broader decarbonization agenda in other sectors, too. I mean, this is obviously not all about, about automotives, even though that's the industry that we're most closely tied with. With that, we have had quite a discussion and gone on quite a bit longer than we had planned, but do you each want to make a final comment for our election special? Uh, I'd like to make one final comment. Please. Uh, in my capacity as a passionate pro-climate European, um, in the past months, as the elections are nearing, I've been hearing again and again on public radio and public TV populist right-wing politicians saying that Europe failed on climate and environment because it's run by vested interests and technocrats. And someone who has worked in this for 12 years for environmental cause, I really would like to say that the only reason why Europe has not delivered as much on environment as it could have are the populist and right-wing politicians who block ambitious legislation in the parliament and who defend the vested interests, for example, of the gas or oil lobby. Mm -hmm. So if you do want uh, climate-friendly legislation, please vote for pro-European progressive 
parties. And don't believe the pretty words. Look at their actions. Thank you both so much for all of your contributions, your insights. That was our EU election special. As you can see, there's really a lot coming out of Brussels and Strasbourg to influence the clean fuels and decarbonization agendas European-wide. And so these elections can really be significant in terms of maintaining the trajectory that Europe is on and uh, you know which more specific areas of policy it pursues and where it really chooses to focus its efforts. And that can be really, really significant for the transition to cleaner energy happening across all sectors, not just e-mobility. Voting takes place May 23rd to 26th, depending on which country you're in. So check your local voting situation if you don't know it already. And of course, do your own research on your own local candidates and you know look at them holistically. But we hope that this discussion contributed to your thinking about the election and your awareness of the central role that the European Union and the European Commission play when it comes to the broader energy agenda around Europe. You can find our podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and any other podcast platform you listen to. Please leave us a rating or review and share this episode with your friends. We hope that you find it interesting and we hope that they will as well. And feel free to get in touch with us at my email, aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com or on Twitter at gwoperator.com or on our Facebook fan page. And with that, I just really want to thank our guest, Julia Poliskanova from Transport Environment. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, guys. Please come vote. Yes, definitely. And Petor Georgiev from Euroelectric. Thank you. And with that, dear listeners, we wish you many happy, safe electric kilometers and very good voting experience.